morning, everyone. We're so happy to have you with us this morning. We are ready for a good word. Um, and before we get to that, just a couple announcements for you. Um, this Wednesday is our communion night. Yeah. So it's always, always first Wednesday of the month. Um, but make sure you get in touch with us. Send us a message, info at lighthouse805.com or get in touch with us through social media um, to get the Zoom link so you can hop on and we can take communion together. You'll need to have something to drink, some crackers or, or cookies, um, chocolate chips, <laughs> ready to be able to partake um, communion together. But make sure you're there. You don't want to miss it. It's always just a nice time to be able to, um, one, see each other. And two, just sharing a time of knowing what God's redeeming love uh, yeah. means for us. Um, so that's this Wednesday. Don't miss it. At what time? Six? Six to seven. seven. Six to seven. Um, then on Sunday, August 6th, 7 p.m., ladies get ready to, um, to paint. Get your creative juices flowing. And um, we'll need to have, you need to have a canvas or thicker paper to paint on. So you'll need some paints, uh, whatever colors will work. If you don't have paints and paint brushes, it's okay. We've had people be able to follow along with markers and crayons and it works. The point is to be able to create something together and have fun doing it and uh, just be able to tap into our creative mode. Um, and it really helps to like end the week and then start the next one with just some creativity. It's really powerful. It's really good. And then finally, we have Bible study. Don't forget to miss that on Thursdays. Um, again, messages for that Zoom link and so that you can really, you know, get into the, just more meat of the word. It's, uh, I know Sterling leads that and it's so good. There's so much wisdom there. So make sure you check that out also. Uh, one update to our announcements already is communion service is 7 to 7.30 on oh. Wednesday. Not It doesn't start at 6, it starts at 7. It's usually about 30 minutes to 40 minutes, and uh, just update. 7 to 7.30. 7 to 7.30. And then tonight, uh, from 4 to 6 p.m., the Tashimas are having their annual fish celebration. So Sterling caught a uh, large tuna. Check out the photo right now. And we're really excited because this is something that we all look forward to. So you can come by, swing by their house, uh, grab some poke, uh, some fish, and they'll also be having, if you want to stick around and have fellowship, uh, you can. They've opened their house for that, and they will have uh, extra food uh, available for fellowship. Nice. And then uh, social distancing. Yep. Bring your mask. We'll abide by all the uh, protocols there to keep all of us safe. But it's going to be, it's going to be yummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's enjoy some worship together. Today's message is unshakable faith, unshakable faith. That's, that's my like dream as a pastor is to see people in our church have this unshakable faith and like unmoving and unyielding, even like the storms and the waves and the hurricanes and any, whatever is thrown at someone in our church, they would say, no, my, my faith is unshakable. And I just love that image of seeing the ocean crash against like a shore or a rock. And you just see the ocean just crash over and over and the rock doesn't move. It's unshakable. And that's that's my dream for our church. And I know it's just one message of, of many in this Faith Check series. But I want to see you catch it. 
I want to see you have a life that's like that rock in front of the storm that doesn't move. Even though the storm might be relentlessly going against it, it's unbudging. Uh, like on the opposite end, where some people have a faith with Jesus, like a roller coaster, just up and down. When things are good, it's good with Jesus. And when things are low, it's low. And I don't want to see you move towards the unshakable faith, away from the up and downs of life and more towards the steady relationship of Jesus. Last week, we talked about the, the foundation of Jesus, the bones, mm-hmm. the structure within us. And if we don't have the foundation of Jesus as the bones in our life, and if you haven't seen it, go back and watch the message. So good. So good. I love that one. I love the imagery. And if you don't have those bones in your life, that foundation of Jesus that we, we talked about in Luke chapter 6, then you can't run. You can't move. If you do not have bones really in your life, you just lay there motionless still and you don't move forward in life. And you, you're unable to lift up and carry the vision that the Holy Spirit puts on our church to run with us together. And, and it's sad. And we want to move forward with everyone and say, this is the vision. Let's run with it. Let's get it. We need the foundation of Jesus to carry it out. And I'm so excited where we're headed in this church. I am so excited. Like, I know we're all home and we're all social distancing right now. But time's coming. This season is coming to a close. And it's going to be so excited to see each other. But the new season is a new level that God is calling us to in this church. We're not going back to what it used to be. We're moving forward. I'm, I'm excited. Are you excited, babe? Yes, yes. Super yes. excited to see what the Lord has been doing under the surface and what's going to be brought up to the surface. It's, it's, I'm super excited. Yeah. I think the, the last thing I want to touch on from last week is, in case you missed it, there is a difference between salvation and foundation. Mm-hmm. And do not mistake the fact that you have salvation. You are done and over with your foundation. We are always refining and growing and solidifying that foundation. And if we don't have that prep work, that preparatory season where we're refining it and defining who we are and, and our relationship with Jesus and constantly working on our foundation, it can crack and crumble. We need to constantly be working on that. So this week, how do we keep moving forward with the vision? So last week we talked about the foundation of Jesus, and this week we're, we're moving into um, building on that, into unshakable faith. Because if you look in that visual again, we, we have the bones infrastructure inside our body and we can run forward and we can carry the vision. But if we're shaken by the enemy or a storm comes, it can, it can halt us back and frighten us where we drop the vision. You know, we need to be unshakable to where no matter what, we keep going. Like, have you ever seen those like really good, um, what is that position called? Where they, where they the receivers, in football, the receiver catches the ball. There's always like two different types of receivers. The one that's like dodging and moving and like jumping. Like it's always awesome to watch that one receiver just like put his hand on someone and jump over them. Like that blows my mind. And then you have the other receiver who gets hit and then loses the ball and fumbles it. You don't see that same receiver playing the next game in high school or college. Like that's like, you know what, buddy? You need to train some more on how you carry the the football forward. Likewise of vision. 
We need to make sure we're unshakable so that as we move forward in this next season, we keep going, we keep developing, we keep moving forward with our relationship with Jesus. We're taking action on the word of God, just like Luke chapter six. So one thing I, I wanna do this week is we're gonna look at Jeremiah towards the end, Jeremiah chapter 51. This is technically right around when Jeremiah stops his portion of writing in Jeremiah, and then uh, it continues going for a little bit longer, dictating events. And so I want to look at this as not the ending of our sermon series, but the ending of the book, and I want to see how the baton is passed. So Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 59. This is the message Jeremiah the prophet gave to the staff officer Sariah, son of Neriah the son of Messiah, where when he went to Babylon with Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year of his reign. Verse 60, Jeremiah had written on a scroll about all the disasters that would come upon Babylon, all that had been recorded concerning Babylon. He said to Sariah, when you get to Babylon, see that you read all these words aloud, then say, Lord, you have said you will destroy this place, so that neither people nor animals will live in it, will be desolate forever. When you finish reading the scroll, tie a stone to it and throw it into the Euphrates. Then said, so will Babylon sink to rise no more because the disaster I will bring on her and her people will fall. Then the last part of the verse, the words of Jeremiah end here. If you have your Bible open, you might be saying, wait, but there's, there's another chapter after this. Now, those are the events dictated after this. This is the moment that Jeremiah stopped writing his prophetic vision over Babylon. And I love this, this nuance that happens. So Jeremiah's been writing out all the destruction of Babylon and all the things that are going to happen and, and all the stuff that God's wrath is going to incur on Babylon. And then Jeremiah does something. He shifts the perspective onto Sariah. So up to this point, Jeremiah had been prophetically doing things and there's these visions. And we've gone through a lot of illustrations in this book, a lot of imagery of how, how God speaks to Jeremiah and then how he creatively discerns it and relays it to the world so we can understand it. But then he hands it off to Sariah. And I, I love, I love Sariah's uh, the meaning of his name. And this this speaks volumes. I just, I absolutely love it. It's translated as Yahweh has prevailed. Right? Past tense. Yahweh has prevailed. Another way of saying it in our language, Jesus won. Right? Not Jesus is going to win. Jesus might win he, in the future. This way. No, Jesus won. It's past tense. It's over with. It's done. It's at the end. Man, our faith on Jesus comes from the past. Jesus won. Jesus went on the cross, died, and woke himself, himself up out of death in a cave and started walking around. And our faith is based on this. Right? There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And that alone. If we were to grasp that, just that alone would cause our faith to be unshakable. 
kind of, I mean, re- like really think about that. Our faith is is on the fact that Jesus already won the war, not just a battle, but the entire war. It's over. And the enemy tries to make us forget that and a little bit confused in our present tense thinking, oh, the storm is crazy. I might drown. I might die. This is bad. This is, and takes our eyes off the fact that the war is over. And the enemy is just trying to say, oh, well, maybe kind of just doubt your faith. Doubt that Jesus is not in control. Just doubt it for a moment. See, our our faith on Jesus comes from the past that Jesus won. I'm not sitting around questioning Jesus or my faith or reality. I'm I'm confident in Jesus because he's already won. The fact of the matter, he's sitting on his throne right now. Like all of our ancestors and past people that we have loved and cared about and all the people before that are in heaven laying at his feet. Everyone who accepted the free gift of grace into their life and proclaimed Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're they're worshiping before the throne. So... I want to I do something together right now. This is something we do every week, and it's, it's doing life in the comments. Our church is a, a believer in doing life together, right? We're not just going to fake it and make it inside a church and be one way there and one way. So, no, we're going to do life together. And not just that, we're doing life in all of our communities. So right now, in the comments, what I want you to do is be so bold and proclaim victory. Proclaim what Jesus has victory over. Right? It might be something of it's still hurting you right now, something that you're going through, something that hasn't been, you think, oh, it might not happen, or this, I might be defeated, or whatever, however scary it is, however tragic it is, I dare you to, in the comments, proclaim Jesus has victory over dot, dot, dot. And then jump into someone else's comment and say, amen, I'm believing it, I'm proclaiming it, I have a verse for you. Have you seen this? And let's start proclaiming Jesus' victory because he's already won. Yes. All right, let's jump into the comments. Jesus won. That's it. Jesus won. Amen. Jesus has a victory over everything, no matter what. There, there's something that I do, and I don't know how old I was when I started doing this. It's just, it's just been around a long time in my life. And the thing that keeps me... Um, unshakable in my faith. The thing that keeps me going forward is no matter how bad something gets, a situation or whatever it might be, I fast forward in my brain 1,000 years. I just I just leap 1,000 years forward and look at myself laying at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. And then I, I start realizing my perspective and my mind does not need to dwell on all the negativity and all the bad things and whatever the situation is. Because in a thousand years, it doesn't matter, right? That just starts falling away because all that matters is my relationship with Jesus and me sitting around worshiping him. And I think, I really hope that that starts breaking um, maybe a bondage of anxiety over, over you today if you're watching this. If you can fast forward in your mind 1,000 years, leaps just a ridiculous number and picture where you will be at 
and picture the situation is nowhere even in sight of you, I think that's going to give you some freedom. And it's going to start developing this unshakable faith because it instills this, this image that Jesus won and he's still on the throne a thousand years later. And I love that image. And it, it really does. It, it calms like all the storms in my life situations and it, it gives me this peace because it's a, it's a visual exercise of the lordship of who Jesus is. Right? If he's on the throne, nothing else can be above him. No name is above the name of Jesus. No, no situation is, is going to throw him off his throne. If he's still sitting on the throne a thousand years from now, which he will be, doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing should shake your faith in that fact. And speaking from someone who has dealt with anxiety and I've had my own journey with it and still have to struggle with aspects of it. And we can have conversations about that. If you want to talk about that, message me and we can, we can talk about it. And I know you can be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, master, easier said than done. You know, you're not going through it right now. You're not in the middle of it. You're not in the darkest moments of what anxiety can do. Believe me, I've been there. I've ended up in the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack at 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) It's not fun. It's pretty dark. Um, But please know that there is hope. There is always, always hope. (laughs) Always. Don't. And that's the part of not letting your faith be shaken. In those darkest moments, hold on to the very last strand because I yeah. promise you it will not break. I promise you. Um, so, yeah. So, if that's something you want to have a conversation about, please message me. I would love to talk to you about some of that. Um, but just know this. Know that your faith cannot be shaken and you've got to stand firm on the word of God in that. Um, because it, it, I'm telling you, that strand won't, it won't break. It really, really won't. Amen. And, yes, a thousand years from now, it won't matter because... We'll be worshiping at the feet of Jesus, and my goodness, it's going to be such a sweet, sweet moment. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, it just brings so much freedom. Because it's like, not only sitting there, worshiping Jesus at his feet, there's one more thing there, and it's the people around us. Mm -hmm. And it breaks that fear and worry of talking to others about our own faith. Mm Mm-hmm. A thousand years from now, can you picture the person who you want to talk to? Yes. Because they'll be in heaven because you talk to them. Mm-hmm. And, and just let that sink in. Your worries and anxieties are gone because they can't survive a thousand years. Only Jesus on the throne can and our souls for eternity and the people next to us. It's just, it's an awesome picture. But I want to I look back at the unshakable faith at the end of Jeremiah's story. So there's, if you've been following the story or if you've been in the Bible study or if you're studying uh, Jeremiah on your own, which by the way, Thursday night Bible study, be there, okay? It's five to six o'clock, message us, we'll get you the Zoom link and uh, it's, it's awesome. It's this deep dive into what's happening in the book of Jeremiah and it's always applicable and educational from the Bible perspective. And so if, if you've been following along, you know that Jeremiah is pro-exile. He's for the exile. 
right? He's encouraging the people. This is from God. This is, we need to exile to Babylon and we need to be here and we need to start building. We need to be planting and we need to do all these other things and just our lives need to exist here. So he's pro-exile going to Babylon. But then he's writing a letter to Babylon about Babylon's destruction from the wrath of God. Now, if you're confused, uh, you can join the club. Jeremiah is pro-exile to Babylon, simultaneously writing the destruction of Babylon. Like, what is happening in this book? And then it ends. It's over. And, and, and when you break it down, you start realizing that it's, it's, it's a template for all of our lives to not to, to not be shaken in our faith. And the template is this. Situations will come. But God will use it for good. And the enemy will be defeated. Yes. Amen. And that, that's it. it it's, it's having that moment of every situation that happens. So these people had to go into exile. This was a situation that happened. That the enemy intended for destruction and evil and all of this and God says, I am going to redeem this because I am the redeemer. And that template goes over all of our lives. Swap out exile for whatever you're going through. Situation, heartache, frustration, storm, you name it. If you can have the perspective that God will redeem this situation, your faith all of a sudden becomes a rock. And it's this foundation of Jesus in your life. And you're saying, you know what? God's in control. God's in charge of this. And we can change and completely turn the tide of the enemy because the enemy really wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. His greatest weapon is to get us to give up on us. He wants us to quit on ourselves and to shake our own faith loose. That's, that's how he tries to win. Because ultimately... Jesus won, and he can't tear down Jesus, so he tries to come after us and make us quit. Yep. He's trying to slap Jesus in the face. And the crazy thing is, Jesus allows us to participate in the story to say, my side is Jesus. He's won, and you're not going to shake me. As a matter of fact, the thing that you intended to kill me with and destroy me and throw me into the ground, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on Jesus turning this around for my story. And not only that, I'm going to tell people about it. That, that is the greatest thing you can do with your faith is turn things around for the greater good of, of God and say, this is, I'm going to do this. And that's what's happening in the story. That's, that's what's going on with, with the exile and the destruction of Babylon is Jeremiah is saying, you know what? We're going to use this for the glory of God. But there is wicked in this world. And it's going to be destroyed unless it repents. And, and, and Jeremiah dives into it. But I want to take away what happens in Jeremiah's final act. He hands over the word of God so that it can be carried, cast, and then camped on. 
If you didn't get it yet, there's three C words there. Write it down. Those are three points. Number one is when, when the word of God comes to us, right? When the Holy Spirit speaks or, or Jesus speaks into us and we receive it and there's something that resonates and it's something that we need to take on, we need to carry the word. Uh, I want you to picture that of when the Holy Spirit speaks, we need to pick it up. We need to carry it. And, and I think a lot of believers fail at this moment. Right? When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do you speak? Do you, do you hear it? Feel emotional? Cry a little bit? And you're like, oh man, that was so good. And then two hours later, you completely forget it and you leave it behind. And it's like, no, you need to carry it. And think of the imagery of, of, of this, this man Jeremiah hands over the word of God and he has to he has to carry it from this season to the next. He has to carry it. The word of God needs to be carried in our hearts. When God speaks something, the Holy Spirit reminds you and it stands out. You need to carry it. You, you need to have it with you all day. You need to wake up the next day and carry it. You need to carry it out of church and into your workplace, and into your home, and into your friends, and into your all the places you go. Remember that Dr. Seuss book is, oh, all the places you go, carry the word of God. I added that part up. But, so in, in the story, he has to carry the word, right? And then he has to take it to the Euphrates River, and then he is required to read all of the destruction that God's going to do on Babylon, right? And then he casts it. He, he throws it. And so this, this idea of we have to carry the word of God internally, but then we need to cast it externally. We need to throw it out of us, almost like a stone throwing it, like this pitcher throwing a football player, throwing the ball. The word of God only becomes a two-edged sword when we're casting it, right? And not only is it, is it piercing our hearts internally, but we also need to cast it forward. We need to proclaim the word of God over situations, and we need to proclaim the word of God as encouragement over our loved ones. We need to proclaim the word of God over sickness, disease, and death, and, and everything. Cast the word of God, right? And, and, and we need to start expanding the word of God of what we carry. That's why memorization of the word of God is so important. If you're still rocking the, the shortest verse, Jesus wept, that's good, but you need to get some more stuff in your arsenal. Right? Start casting those things out. And then the, the, the last thing that he did that was very subtle was proclaimed the word of God. So he had to carry it to the Euphrates River. He had to cast, he had to speak it and throw it. I'm combining those two as casting it, like you're casting the word of God out. But then there was this third thing. It was through faith, waiting on the word of God to come true. And I think this is, this is the scary part in a believer's life. It's proclaiming that Jesus has authority over the situation. And you don't see it happen right away. I don't know if you've ever been to, to a kid's camp or a youth camp. 
And there's, there's typically lots of moments where if someone's hurt or they came up with, you know, a, a, a cast or, you know, healing starts taking place. And there's a moment where we'll pray over the young for healing. And, and you typically have a couple different reactions. One is, you know, everyone surrounds and we pray over a broken arm, right? And, and you have, you have people praying and they're doing these, these, this, right? Like watch my eyes. Like every second, like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Why hasn't it happened yet? When is it going to happen? Oh, it's probably not going to happen. That's, that's shakable faith. Unshakable faith is when we cast the word of God and we are confidently knowing that it will happen. And we're confidently waiting on God. Just because five minutes goes by and you don't see results that you wanted doesn't mean the word of God has failed. Some of you might be saying, but I've been waiting for three years on something. Jeremiah spoke about the exile and they had to remain of a prophetic word from God for 70 years. Seven zero, 70 years. We need to cast the word of God and we need to camp out on it. So the third point is camp on the word. And specifically, I wanted to use camp not just because it's a cool C word and we had all, all the C words here. But camp, I wanted to specifically do this of what the Holy Spirit was speaking. Because camp means temporary. It's a season. When we cast the word of God, we seasonally wait for the word of God to complete that season. And then we move into the next season. It is not a permanent thing where we cast the word of God and we say, I'm staying here. I saw the word of God come true. Now I'm going to stay here. The Holy Spirit's saying, well, that was, that was a season. I'm trying to lead you to the next season right over here. And I need you to proclaim the word of God here now because I got some stuff working on right here and more people will interact and more people will happen and, and lives will be changed. But if you're still in the past season and that's been completed and the word of God happened and, and manifested and it's all done, you need to move forward. And again, we talked about this last week of we need to camp, right, with the word of God. It, it's seasonal. We need to move into the season that the Holy Spirit has called us to be in and camp there until he calls us to the next season. And so we need to carry the word of God. We need to cast the word of God. And we need to camp out on that word of God till it's completed. Don't give up too early and don't stay too late. It's like the Mary Poppins of camping, right? We need to be there just the perfect amount of time. And the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And we just need to listen and, and keep proclaiming the word of God over that situation until the Holy Spirit says, okay, it's finished. Now you need to move to this season, to this thing, and start casting the word of God on this. And as you, as you spend more time discerning and listening to the, the voice of God, you'll start hearing the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit more and more of when we're supposed to move and do these things. So, that's, that's, the, that's the template, if you will. Carry, cast, camp. 
That's, that's the life cycle of how to have an unshakable faith. But the, the one thing that people don't realize is there's two major areas that we need to apply this template in. Now, the first one is personally. We need to personally, in our own lives, carry the word of God, cast it, and camp. I think we are all were on the same page on that as I, as I was talking about it. And I, I remember this story... Um, we were youth pastors, and uh, every Wednesday night, there was this young girl. She was there Wednesday, right? I maybe missed less times than I did, okay, <laughs> as a youth pastor for vacation or sickness or whatever. She was there every Wednesday. She always sat in the back, never talked, never smiled, never interacted, never worshipped, just a whole bunch of nevers. And I think just me being me, like, I think, I want to say one night, I just had enough. And I was just frustrated. And I was like, I will make you like Jesus. <laughs> like, I just, I just had it. And so I went up and just, I didn't plan out in my head what I was going to say. I was just going to wait on the Holy Spirit just to say something. And then I got up to her and I was like, what's your problem? And I shouldn't have said that. I Maybe I said, what's your deal? I don't know. But I just blurted that out. And she was just like what? And I was like, yeah, you, you just, you're always here. Like, why are you here? And she said, well, my mom makes me come here because my mom's really involved in the church. She's here every Wednesday night with the adults and doing this and that. And she's really, and I was like, yeah, but like, why do you act the way that you do? Like, why are you, you never participate? You don't worship. Like you don't laugh. You don't, you don't do anything. You don't even talk to anyone else. You just show up, you bounce. The second we're done, you're out the door. And I I was genuinely not expecting this answer to come back at me. She said, and, and I'll never forget it. She looked at me and said, because my mom acts one way at church. Like she acts like the nicest lady on the planet. Like, everyone loves my mom. Everyone tells me, oh, you're so blessed to have this mom. She's the nicest. She's the kindest. She's the most giving. She's the most caring. She's the most everything. And she's like, the moment we get in the car, she starts screaming and yelling at me and cussing me out. She goes, my life is a nightmare at home because of my mom. When she's at church, she's one way. And when she's at home, for all the other hours and all the other days, she's completely different. And no one at church knows that. So I don't really believe in Christianity. I don't believe in this. I don't believe that you all aren't fake and just pretending to be one thing and, and whatever. And, and I looked at her and I had no response. And then the Holy Spirit showed up. And I remember thinking... I have no clue what to say to this girl right now. I am not this wise. I don't know. And the Holy Spirit just spoke out of me. Why don't you have your mom come over here and I'll tell her that you never have to go to church again. You never have to be in our youth group and you never have to be here. And I said those words and I remember thinking in my head, Holy Spirit, why did you just say that? That is not what a youth pastor needs to say right now. That's against what the word of God, like, what am I saying? And the Holy Spirit said that. And I realized it was to break down the barriers and walls that she had built up. 
because she she looked at me and, and was completely shocked. And I could tell that she was cycling through this Rolodex. Maybe that's too old. She was cycling through her iPod or her notes or whatever it was of excuses of why she shouldn't participate in church, why Christians were this way, why why Jesus was fake, and all. And she was she had nothing. It was the one answer that she had not prepared for and sat around dwelling on, angrily thinking about. And the Holy Spirit knew. And so the Holy Spirit spoke through me, said it, and she was just, it looked like a, a malfunctioning robot. She's like, uh, uh, uh. And then she didn't know what to say. And then, and then I said this to her. I said, why don't you discover what it means to be a genuine, uh, be in a genuine relationship with Jesus, be a genuine Christian, that you are the exact same here as you are at home. And why don't you teach your mom what it means to love Jesus? And her face stared at me, no answer, no response, but she kept coming back to church because her mom kept making her. And it was crazy because we started seeing her interact with church, interact with us. She started having a smile. She started interacting with worship. She started getting involved. She's still in church. She still loves Jesus more than ever. But it was crazy because someone who was one thing in one place and something somewhere else had made a human being not want to love Jesus. One of the best things that we can do personally is have Jesus as our foundation and love for Jesus everywhere we're at. Whether you're in church or you're out of church, be the same. Be the same. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit will start revealing and 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 growing you and changing you and, and developing who you are as a Christian, as a believer. So ultimately, change happens. But it's not so drastic to where you're here and here and here and you're different in all these places. Right? You, you just got to be the same. You got to be who you are. Right? We need Jesus as our foundation personally. Yeah, I was... I was thinking about this, this image where I want you to picture the earth just floating there. And there's all the satellites floating around. I don't even know how many satellites are going around the planet Earth. And you have the moon floating around. And you have uh, meteoroids, we learned. Meteoroids float in, go around, and, and they interject. And, and everything's rotating and revolving around planet Earth, right? And most believers, actually, I'm, I shouldn't say most believers. Some believers believe that like planet Earth, represents them, where everything revolves around them, right? Their job, their life, church, and they get into the accidental behavior thinking Jesus is also floating around their life. Like, I'm going to place Jesus in my life, and he's going to float around just like everything else. Mm -hmm. And in one moment, I need to focus on this satellite. And in another moment, I need to focus on this. And in another moment, I need to focus on this. And, and on Sundays, I can focus on Jesus. But Sunday afternoon, he's out. 
and he's rotating again, right? And that's that's when we get in trouble when we have shakable faith. When we think that Jesus is meant to rotate around us. And in reality, I want you to picture zooming out in the solar system, right? And as the planet Earth grows smaller and smaller and smaller, things are still rotating around it. Smaller and smaller. You have the sun. And you realize that the Earth is rotating around the sun. All the things are still, all the tiny things are circling around the Earth. But the whole earth is going around the sun. The sun represents Jesus. He has ultimate control over everything. We have all the tiny things that are rotating around us, but we need to realize, ultimately, they're still rotating around Jesus. As the gravitational force is all-encompassing in the the solar system by the sun, everything in our world is rotating around Jesus. Everything encompasses his love, his grace, his mercy, his everything. And we need to realize that. And, and I I really believe as we were talking about the anxiety earlier and, and all of that, it's, it's popping up in my head again. And I feel there is quite a few people today watching that have control issues and anxiety. And the moment you can start realizing that Jesus is not a small portion of your life rotating around you. But in reality, you are rotating around Jesus and all those little things in your life that you feel like you don't have control over and you have anxiety over. Imagine that they're actually just in Jesus's sphere of influence and his control. Mm -hmm. That anxiety will start melting off. That you, you will have unshakable faith Get some get some good sleep. Don't worry and sit up at night dwelling on things that you don't have control over because you don't. Jesus has control over everything, just like the sun has gravitational control over everything in our solar system. I hope that image helps you uh, like it does for me. You know, at times that you might feel like things are just out of control. It's like, well, Jesus is in the center. And he's in control of it all. He's orchestrating it all. So, the whole carry, cast, and camp. We talked about it personally. Like, we need to personally make sure we are doing this in our lives. And the whole message up to this point was on that. But I want to shift gears in just a a moment to talk about our responsibility in a church. In a church community. Because we need to not only uh, have unshakable faith within our personal lives of taking the word of God and carrying it and casting it and and camping on it, but we need to do that in our church community too. It's a community of believers. And the Holy Spirit showed me two different churches parallel to each other in, in this illustrative vision. It was a church that was dying and a church that was thriving. And so I wrote this down. The fastest way to kill a church is to expect the pastor to be the only one to carry the word and the vision from the Holy Spirit forward. To be the only one to be carrying the word of God and the vision of God forward. To be the only one to take action on the word and the vision of the church from the Holy Spirit. See, when when a church 
has a body of believers and everyone looks to the pastor to be the only one carrying the word forward and to taking action on the vision and to doing things to repel the vision of the church forward, it kills the church. And then the, the, the last one is to watch the pastor move from season to season following the Holy Spirit while people in the church sit back and stands watching, grumbling and complaining. This kills a church. Those are the ingredients to kill a church. To, to be void of the word of God and the vision of the church. To expect one person or, or only the pastoral staff to take action moving the vision and the word of God forward to what the Holy Spirit's calling us to do and relenting to move from season to season that the Holy Spirit's saying, this season of church will be this and we're focusing here. And then the next season is this and we're focusing here. To sit back and grind feet into the sand to not move forward kills the church. As the Holy Spirit gave me this vision of these two churches sitting side by side through the, the vision of Jeremiah, the other church was this thriving and growing church, not just in numbers, but in spiritual depth and new words and new insights and just excitement to what was happening in the church. And the difference was just polarizing. So the fastest way to grow a church is to carry the word. Every single person, it's carrying the word and the vision on their mind daily alongside the pastor. Not only does, does the pastor, and I'm talking about all churches, not just our own, but I'm, I'm consumed by the word of God and the vision of our church daily. I think about it all the time. Like we'll, we'll be just sitting quiet and you know watching a movie. And I'll just start talking about this one part of the church. And Patty's like, were, were you not watching this movie? And I was like, I can't. It's, I'm thinking about this. I'm watching it now. Okay, I'm, I'll pay attention. But it's to have the word of God and the vision of the church on our minds. Not just on Sunday and it's in one year and out the other. But it's we're thinking about it. We're dreaming about it. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to our church and, and doing? And, and whatever's proclaimed from the pulp that we take it and run with it. We're carrying it. Not only is this infectious to others, it transforms our minds. See, when we're excited and we have the Word of God just ramping up with the, the vision of the Holy Spirit, it transforms our mind from being negative of sitting behind to positively encouraging forward. See, it's our mind change and, the, and our heart changes and our attitude changes because we're dwelling on this, we're thinking on it. But it doesn't stop, stop there. Not only do we have to carry it, we have to cast it. We have to take the action on it. We have to Luke 6 it, right? Take action on the word and vision daily. See, just, just as an example, one of the season we're in, the vision that the Holy Spirit keeps speaking to us is doing life together. Are you thinking about this daily? How can I do life together? How can I do life with my friends, with my family, with my coworkers? How can I do life? 
See, it's, it's, it's one thing to think about on Sundays, but we need to carry it, meaning we need to think about it daily. How am I doing life together? And then the next step, how do I cast it? How do I say I want to not only think about doing life together creatively in my own space, but I want to do it. I want to make the calls. I want to do the Zooms. I want to, how can I do life together? I want to send a mailer. I want to, whatever it is. See, we need to cast it. We need to carry it in our hearts. And then we need to take action and cast it. And then the the last thing is we need to be able to move from season to season in our church together. Right? We can't be all scattered into different seasons doing whatever we want. You know, that, that kind of brings chaos. Like, like just a visual ex- example, uh, we do family game nights. You know, we'll sit there and one night we'll play Uno, and another night we'll play Catan, and another night we'll play, uh, what's that, the Labyrinth game, like you slide tiles. We all decide to move to the next game each night. But what would happen if, like, one or Ollie or myself showed up and we're all playing one game, but someone shows up and starts trying to play an Uno card when you're supposed to be doing a Monopoly role, and it kind of brings a little bit of chaos. And then someone's going to be like, you can't do that. That's not a rule. Well, that's a rule in my game. And pieces are mixed, and it doesn't make any sense, and now we're not even playing together. That's what happens in a church when we don't move from season to season, from glory to glory. If we're not moving forward together, it starts bringing conflicting things and chaos and gossip and frustrations. We need to move forward. And it's the camping mindset. We, we had a whole series on camping. I always love that. That one, I think it was that one Easter where we set up the fake bonfire inside the church and we had camping chairs and we, We talked what it means to live in a season and move to the next season. In our church, we got to make sure that we have unshakable faith individually, but corporately. And it all comes from carrying the word, casting the word, and camping on that word. Amen? And don't make the mistake of Mm. compartmentalizing all these words, you know, having a vision and the church too. This is just part of my church life, my Sunday life. Um, yes, that's so good. Please don't compartmentalize it into that. This yeah. leaks into every aspect of your life. This this isn't just church as in the building, as in the place we go to on Sundays. Yeah. This is your daily life. It, it's just part of who you are and what the Lord is doing in your life because people when we say church we mean you the people the person <laughs> you are the church and so yeah. when we're we're doing life together that way um so please know that this isn't just that portion of your life the the christian part of your life no this is this leaks into everything yes because i am about to leak my <laughs> drink it leaks into everything i just get so excited and fired up <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. As your pastors, we want to see you have unshakable faith. Mm -hmm. And we also want to see our church just 
growing. Our church grows from your unshakable faith. Mm -hmm. We are shepherding the sheep. We're growing the sheep. It's expanding, and I I love that, that imagery. But we need everyone on board. We need to move together. Um, this this week's next steps. It's a little bit different. We a lot of our recent next steps have all been uh, interpersonal, right? It's been think on this, implement this in your life, do this kind of thing. And this week we're going to do a little bit different. the The challenge this week, the next step, is encourage and pray with someone this week who doesn't live with you. Okay, do make it about someone else who maybe you haven't talked to in a long time. Call them up, encourage them, build them up, and just be like, you know what? Can I pray with you? Make it about trying to encourage someone this week. And what? How awesome would it be to we have a our communion night on Wednesday night? How cool would it be to invite someone to jump in with you, and then afterwards call them up and encourage you? Be like, man. I love that. Wasn't that so much fun together? I want to pray over you. You know, we have our our women's, our ladies paint night coming up. How cool would it be to invite someone to that who doesn't even know God? Because it's, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's open to everyone and people will feel comfortable being in it because it's about art. It's about commonality of just creating things. Invite someone, talk to them afterwards and say, I loved your painting. I loved your drawing. It was so good. I really enjoyed doing this together. Can I pray for you? And I'm excited for next steps this week. And I want to encourage you as your pastor. I don't just come up with next steps just to be like, hey, here's something for you to do. No, it's like I'm doing this. And I want us as a church to thrive because we're doing it together. Remember, a growing church is a church that does it together. A church that's dying out is when people watch the pastor, pastors do it, and then, uh, okay, yeah, I saw it. Or I did that once. No, come on. Let's do it together. And if it causes you a little bit of anxiety, (laughs) thinking about having to ask somebody, hey, what can I be praying about for you? Do math's trick. You think you fast forward a thousand years, will it matter? Will it really have mattered? Or does it matter more to know that that moment that you're praying for that person launches them into knowing that they will be spending eternity with you in heaven? Think of put it in that perspective. That one conversation could lead to that person 1,000 years from you laying before the throne of Jesus. And imagine what they say to you. If you hadn't prayed with me, would I have been here? Like that's encouraging and that, that like, that's more encouraging and more courageous building than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for a a special anointing this week. Just a fresh anointing, an exciting, encouraging anointing that we get to build up and encourage someone this week and pray over someone that, that our faith will be unshakable that we would be believers that would just absolutely carry your word, that we'd be able to proclaim and cast it, and that we'd sit and sit in a season where we can watch your word go to work. Lord, we love you. 
And we're just excited to see what you have in store for us. Thank you, God. In your mighty name, amen. Amen.